Hello and welcome to the At Scale Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Keith. The show is being brought to you by Clarity Business Solutions, a small business focused on systems and software engineering based out of the Maryland and D.C. area. At Scale looks to bring you interesting discussions of engineering topics with people who have real-life experience using and implementing software solutions around popular products and architectures in the technology industry today. Hello, today's episode is focused on an open-source project called Apache NiFi. I've got Ryan Henderson with me today to help demystify what NiFi is and how it can help you keep winning as an engineer. We're going to go over its capabilities and how it can effectively leverage it in your architecture to make your life easier by talking, taking a lot of the busy work out of developing systems that need a lot of processing and show you some of the benefits a processing pipeline like NiFi can do for you. Ryan, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is uh, Ryan Hendrickson. I'm a software engineer at Clarity Business Solutions with uh, Mike here. Like Mike said, today we're here talking about uh, NiFi and how we use it and like it. Yeah, so basically to kind of set the stage for everybody, if you've never heard of NiFi before, Ryan, what's your kind of like base example if you were explaining this to a kid? What, sure. what is NiFi? <laughs> so, so NiFi takes data from one place, uh, processes it, routes it, and puts it somewhere else. And at the very core, that's all it does. But it's a uh, highly complex program that Maybe complex is the wrong word. It's a sophisticated program that allows you to be very uh, flexible in how you do that and how large are those data flows or small that, uh, that you want to use it with. Yeah, so I mean, how, like, do you have some examples of why somebody might want to use a system like this? Sure, Mike. But let's, uh, let's talk about what I call the data renaissance and we'll, we'll get right into the. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll become evident to, to the listeners how, we're, how you can use NiFi to move this data around. So I like to say that. We're in an age of a, a data renaissance that our uh, cultural standards are being redefined for how, what, and when we produce and consume data. So in just one minute of listening to this podcast, there are $68,000 worth of Venmo transactions, peer-to-peer transactions that have to move from one place to another. Sounds like NiFi, doesn't it? Uh, there are 12 million text messages produced. Also sounds like NiFi, doesn't it? And the Weather Channel receives 18 million forecast requests. And we know weather has data and it has to be moved from one place to another. So how does that work? Some more data examples specifically. Uh, we, we have six we're going to go through here. The first one is uh, IoT. So NiFi itself uh, can be used in many different ways in the IoT world. Yeah, like Internet of Things for people who don't know the acronym. Right, <laughs> yes. So, so IoT is Internet of Things. Uh, and it means a, a, a lot of different things to different people. You, your smart refrigerator, your, um, your Raspberry Pis, you know. Yeah. Uh, airplanes have Internet of Things devices on them to, you know, tell when your uh, the gas is uh, running out. Uh, in the example that I have here, I just note that there's a the number of Internet of Things connected devices is expected to more than double between 2016 and 2022. That's taken from uh, Statistica. One of the major takeaways from that is that the data needs to go from one place to another, and people need to be able to do that easily, and consumers need to be able to do that easily. And by consumer, I mean your your proactive developer, consumer, you know, like consumer, Best Buy, purchase a device, consumer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, uh, you're talking about somebody who has a cell phone they're buying or, or like a, a weather station or something. You were talking about the weather channel. I mean, people use right. weather underground all the time and they actually have their own small weather stations on their house that feeds into everybody else's data. So that's like an example of what you mean? Yeah. Well, I uh, kind of more like, I mean, you're, you're professional, like in the yeah. sense of, uh, you know, like if you were to buy a drill, you could buy a consumer-grade drill or, or a professional-grade drill. And it okay. means different things to different people. 
right? But like, if I'm a professional, I like work on it every day, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm building houses. So there's lots of software developers out there, lots of software engineers. And uh, and if you were to build your own IoT device or get several IoT devices and just want to like see the the data that was transiting across it, that's yeah. probably something that you might want to throw into the mix there. Oh, okay. As a second example, I want to talk about smart homes and how smart homes have Internet of Things devices inside it. Uh, consumer expectations and data-driven products are driving home connectedness further and further these days. So from a software developer standpoint, you need to be able to move that data. And also from a, a opportunity standpoint, as a software developer, the, uh, the smart home product revenue is supposed to nearly double between 2016 and 2022, growing from $23 billion to $54 billion. So that seems like a great market to be in, and you need to have all the tools you can in your toolbox to be able to make things happen quickly. And NiFi is great for that, great for prototyping, uh, putting data together, and showing the value in what some might consider a data science. Yeah, because you don't want to really like you have to write all the code that connects those things together. I mean, it's usually standard stuff, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's lots of standard processors that are able to grab data from one place, like a socket or a or a disk, and then pull that data and put it someplace else, or allow you just to access it or, or view it right on the canvas in NiFi. Smart cities is another great example of intercon interconnectedness of uh, the data that we have in the real world. There's an ISO standard. Uh, specifically named the World Council on City Data, and they recognize cities based on how smart each of the cities are, uh, based on how many sensors the city is supporting. So to be able to do this, it's a it's an open city initiative. So you have to have your data open to the general public to be able to get the data out and, and allow other people to actually show value in the data. Uh, two great examples are Cambridge and Portland. Okay. I believe both of them are uh, platinum level cities. And that means that they are supporting uh, 91 to 100 different sensors throughout the city. And some of these sensors include road networks, traffic controls, uh, parking stations, buses, uh, you know, where buses are, when they're going to make it there, the air quality in different portions of the city, as well as the air temperature. Wow. Even waste receptacles are, uh, are censored on there. When is the waste receptacle full? Should someone come out and change it? Or should they stay home and not change it and save the city money? Yeah. Portland actually uh, prioritizes uh, the third-party developers and uh, the city man. Well, when the city decides to open the data up, you still have to go through a process. Mm -hmm. So Portland itself, when they go to get, when they allow third-party developers to fill out an application, put it in there, they prioritize the people who are helping out the uh, the homeless in their city first, okay. followed by all the other revenue stream-based activities that uh, the data can be used for. Wow! So you can you can see here how not only would you have Internet of Things connected devices where NiFi could be a, an edge computing device sending back data, but you could also have NiFi there shipping data to the third-party developers or in between the data lakes that they have to collect all the data. And certainly one of the most uh, known examples of, uh, of data in our age is social data. Uh, Twitter's probably the, uh, the best example of this. Their mission statement is to give everyone the power to share ideas and information instantly without barriers, and they've certainly done this. And finally, as, the, as a final example, financial data is everywhere. And in your back pocket is, uh, is data being transferred all the time when you make a credit card transaction mm -hmm. or, uh, or write a check, use your debit card. The data moves from place to place and they ship it everywhere to help other people determine like what you're looking to buy. You know, it's 
Yeah, so, so I mean, like, NiFi has probably got security built in, I imagine, right? Because that's, that's really important with financial data. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely wouldn't want it moving stuff around in the clear uh, on your credit cards or anybody's information. NiFi has a HTTPS and SSL built into it. Yeah. It's been in every version that they've put out. Wow. Okay. They definitely bring that, bring that first. I guess just to, to cap off our data examples, uh, I, I would reiterate that we're in this data renaissance where there's tons of... Uh, pieces of information moving around all the time and you need some means some way to go in between acquiring the data storing the data and processing the data something just to build that pipeline so if you think about a giant sewage pipe it just moves wastewater or water from place to place in between two different locations mm-hmm. and really that's what nifi is it's it's yeah. the age-old analogy of the pipes on the internet and that's you know so so nifi has a processor it puts it into a a pipe or a queue, if you will, and moves it to another processor. And when it's done with that processor, it moves it on to the next. Yeah, I mean, I almost like just thinking about your pipe analogy, I'd almost come up with the idea of it sounds more like it's like the recycling plant. You got some kind of thing coming in on one side, it turns it into you know all the garbage plastic coming in, and then all of a sudden it could process stuff, and all of a sudden it turns into recycled plastic that's actually able to use for something else on the other side, right? Absolutely. You can almost think it there. It's probably an interesting kind of granular example. That's a great example. Uh, NiFi uh, fits between everything, augments it, manipulates the data, filters it, routes it. It's just like a recycling facility. So now that we have some examples, like there's probably other products that do similar-ish things out there. I mean, nothing's exactly like NiFi, but there's some other ones. And maybe kind of talking a little bit about like why we want to talk about NiFi instead of them today is it may be a good good thing. Sure. Uh, one great reason is that NiFi is a it's an open source product with mm-hmm. no license fees. So that's one of the best reasons for developers to get into it because it's a uh, free and open source and you can download it, install it on your laptop. Um, there's not really any minimum system requirements for it. Yeah. It runs on Java, um, but alternatives out there, you know, they also run. Uh, I believe some are also Java, like Apache Camel. Yeah. Um, Boeing has a, a paid-for product called Twister. Mm-hmm. There's Apache Spark and Apache Storm. Um, each of these things do portions of what NiFi does, some yeah. in a more of a streaming fashion and some in a more of a, a batch processing fashion. But uh, all of them have their pros and cons, And but NiFi is what we're excited about today. So Yeah, definitely. NiFi's got a uh, graphical user interface. It's got tons of extensions and processors, over 100. I think the graphical interface... That's something that, like, you should pause the podcast right now and go take a look at some screenshots of it because that's probably one of the most key pieces of NiFi, I think. Because it really lets you be able to see each of the pieces of your flow of information from one place to another. Absolutely. It, uh, It shows the data as flow files. It specifically has the data right inside. Let me pull up a view here. So, so what you've got is a, a processor on your canvas. So, so when you boot up NiFi, when you get NiFi running, uh, you've got this nice graphical user interface inside your web browser uh, that you can view in the latest version of Chrome or, or Firefox. And I think they support one version back, but in reality, they support many versions back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can drag and drop these processors onto the canvas, standard processors. Uh, for example, if you wanted to pick a file up from disk, you just use a get file processor to pipe it onto the canvas just showing the disk location of where it was. From there, it'll tell you that you've read in one file, it was so many bytes large, you read it, you wrote it out, also so many bytes large, and it took so long for that particular task to work. 
and it's all on the canvas. Everyone can see it right there in front of you. On top of that, it goes on to a queue. And the queue in between it and the next processor shows how many files you've picked up off of disk waiting to be processed by the next file. There's plenty of different options in there. You can right click on the canvas uh, and show you, show you the ability to uh, list the files that you have on the canvas. So you can list the queue, view the file, view the file attributes that the, the file might have. Or you can even empty the queue if you wanted to. Nice. So talking about all the different things that you can do with NiFi uh, lends itself to wondering, well, what do I need to run NiFi? And it's all based on what your requirements are. If you have uh, not much data um, or a lot of data, you could run a, a single instance of NiFi, which is going to be our primary focus here for this podcast. You could also run a, uh, an, uh, what's called Mini-NiFi, um, which is a C++ version intended for edge devices, so your IoT devices that are out there. And of course, you can take the single instance and run it in cluster mode, which is for the, uh, the great amount of data that people are anticipated to run into when you're in like the financial sector or the uh, social sector, when you really want to pump a lot of data through there and rely on NiFi to do your heavy lifting. Yeah, you, where you need a lot of processors and a lot of network Absolutely. and everything, so you can't do it on one spot. So it's essentially scaling. It scales out. You Absolutely. Do, yeah, okay. And, and the, the performance in NiFi definitely depends on uh, whether or not you're using a, a commodity disks or SSDs or yeah. if you're uh, keeping it in memory. So the clustering, when you cluster it, does it um, is that pretty much seamless to a single? As far as like once it's set up, single using a single instance kind of versus a clustered version is essentially the same thing, right? Like you go to the whatever main GUI page and then it's, it's, it's going to cluster the same up. thing. Yeah. Yeah, so you're going to see the same graphical user interface. It's going to show you your clustered nodes. Uh, it's a little more complicated because you have to understand that your your flow files are, it's a, um, it's a total of the flow files running on all the different clustered uh, instances of NiFi out there. Okay. But in reality, it's a, you're effectively seeing a, a management console overview of what's going on at all at the same time. Yeah. Okay. So started to talk a little bit about what you can do with it, which I think you have this has a concept of processors. You're in the graphical user interface, you might have pulled that up at this point, and you're looking at, you know, okay, what can I do? Like, essentially, there's a lot of stuff that's standard in NiFi that you don't need to program anything. So as a developer, you can focus on your own stuff, and then you can let NiFi do a bunch of boilerplate things for you, which is kind of what we wanted to start talking about here. Like, what are these extensions? What are these processors that you can get for free? And kind of give a little bit of a description of like helpful ones we've uh, absolutely we've seen. So, so NiFi itself has over 349 extensions, uh, custom standard processors. I want to also mention that you can write your own custom processors, uh, but they have they come out of the box with 349 processors that you can drag and drop onto the canvas, which is just incredible. The ecosystem that comes with it is a uh, is large and and supported by the open source community, so it's uh, fairly up to date. Um, let's just talk quickly about the, a few categories yeah. that are there, and we can we can dive into any of them. But there's uh, there's text um, text processors, uh, data format processors, disk socket operation processors. Um, you can compress things. You can read and write from databases. You can read and write from queues. Um, there's even social processors. So uh, I suppose a, a great place to start would be maybe a, a text processor. Yeah, like what does that do? A standard. A standard simple use case, and we, we dipped in on this just a, a few minutes ago, is that you get a file off disk, mm -hmm. you want to do something with that file, and then you want to 
maybe just put it right back on disk. So I want to read a JSON document off of disk. I want to perform a JSON path on that document. And then I want to write back to the document the update. So what you want to do is start with a get file processor, yeah. read that JSON uh, file off the disk, use evaluate JSON path as your next processor looking specifically for the JSON path, um, choose to put it into the document in a different place, or overwrite the entire document, and then simply write it back to disk. So like, what is JSON path for like for me? I, I don't think I've ever done that before. What, what is JSON path and like, so, JSON doc? So JSON path is, uh, if you've ever used, uh, a lot of people are familiar with XPath, XML's okay, so, version of namespacing in. Right. Um, in JSON path, I, I think somewhat came after that. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe it came after it, but but in layman's terms, if you're looking at a JSON document and you see a number of uh, you see the, the schema, the object structure in there, you can namespace your way into a particular portion of the document, so you could see um, inside a nested portion, and then get back only that portion of the document. And that's oh, what, okay, so it's sort of like tra uh, transforming it a little bit, right? Right. If that's the idea. So if you had something that said, okay, well here's a person's name and then their address, there's an address object that the sub you know it has. A sub document that has street name, city, um, whatever, you can use JSON path to just get the address out Absolutely. as a single document. Okay. Yeah. And then that's what you would then, you could choose them and rewrite that over and then pass it along, or you could just add it in somewhere else. Exactly. Okay. So, so another example thinking of that is if you wanted to read out of a database, uh, mm -hmm. a, if you had a particular query and you wanted to read out of a database, a, yeah. a contact book list, and then take out just the addresses from all the different people and then write them into a different collection. Yeah. In, for example, MongoDB, you could totally do that with NiFi. You could use the, the get Mongo processor to run your query, get all the contact book uh, addresses out, use a JSON path processor to pull out just the address and then write it back to MongoDB. And again, that's all standard NiFi processors. Yeah, so you're not writing any code to do that, right? You're, you're, right. Only, you're only writing the Mongo query and or a SQL query or whichever you want to do. And that's the only piece you're doing? Absolutely. So you're just right-clicking wow. on the canvas in NiFi, configuring the processor uh, to have your the location, the password, um, just those standard things that you would expect to open up a connection to your database, putting your query in there, letting it run. But you're not actually slinging JSON, like Java code, to have to make any of this uh, work here. Okay. Something pretty powerful in NiFi is their ability to use this expression language. Um, expression language is uh, similar to what you might think of what Perl is um, or what regular expressions are, but NiFi specifically has the ability to like store variables in memory uh, as well as be able to apply attributes to each flow file. And I suppose we should quickly go over what a flow file is as well. Okay. So, yeah. so when, you, when you move from a processor to a processor, um, in the middle of there, is a queue, and on that queue is is what's known as a flow file, and that's simply NiFi's specific version of the file that you picked up off of disk. So it's it's the file that you have off of disk wrapped inside a, a Java object that's called a flow file, and that flow file allows you to have things called attributes, and those attributes can describe the data, um, describe the file itself. So it's kind of the metadata about what you're doing. Absolutely. Right. Okay. So you're the thing you're working on is the Kind the of data. body. It's the data in there. What do they call that in the flow file? They call do they call it the flow file? What's the name of your content? Uh, the flow file content. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know that. Yeah. Hey, uh, 
Okay, yeah, and then there's metadata around it, the attributes. Right. Okay. So, so, so you have your data and then the metadata. And the metadata describes things like uh, the size of the file. Um, the processor was last updated by has a, a variety of different things. If you were to uh, split a file into three different segments, it would tell you that it originally started as one file and then ended up being three files. Um, one of the major pieces of NiFi is uh, provenance, and it shows you which processors that it went through from one place to another. But talking about expression language, which is the, which is one, has to be one of the most powerful pieces of NiFi, you have the ability to store variables attached to the specific file. So now you're able to take these uh, uh, NiFi processors, such as like a, a route on content or a route on attribute, and specifically say, well, based on this attribute that I've been passing around, I want to use this expression and say, well, if this if the server that it came from ends in zero one zero zero, then I want to send it one way, whereas if it ends in two zero zero, send it another way. So that's kind of like if we get back to some of our iterative things examples um, or some of the other examples we were talking about, maybe that's the idea of, oh, hey, the, oh, connected cities, right? If we have a bunch of data coming from trash cans that is seeing, saying how full they are, that data doesn't need to get routed to um, the police force, right? That right. doesn't need to get, that, that needs to get routed to the, the guys who are picking up the trash. And NiFi in the center of that would probably use some this kind of idea of route on an attribute to route that data around. And then you could use the same NiFi kind of instances and processor and systems that are common, but route them to different places based on the type of information. That's correct. Like that. I'll give another example too that's very apropos for our day and age. Is a, It's a social example. So uh, NiFi comes stock with a get Twitter processor and you're able to consume the Twitter data feed if you have an API token assigned to it. So one of the things that you can do is read the content of people's tweets that come out of there. Uh, you only get a sampling of the tweets, but you're able to read it out. So, so you could drop the get Twitter processor on your canvas, read the content of the tweet, look for the, lo look for the user provided location. Notice that it's in a particular city that you want to filter on, such as P Pittsburgh. Filter on that and then route it afterward. But what you'd be routing on is, is the location. So you could use an evaluate JSON path processor to go and assign that to a NiFi attribute. And then in a uh, further okay. processor, you could simply route, you could route everything away. You could send any piece of data that that, that specific attribute wasn't Pittsburgh to effectively DevNow, to the trash can. Oh, okay. So you could filter all your data down. That is really interesting. <laughs> oh yeah? Yeah. No, I never never thought about it that way, and it was good. Um, it's very, it definitely for me, kind of galvanizes the use of JSON path and how you might pull something out of your information and put it into an attribute, and then later use that in your in your routing. I think that's a really key thing for people to understand is that you, you've got these building blocks and. And while at first, when you look at each individual building block, they don't look all that complicated. They're not very, um, very complex. But the fact that there's so many pieces you can use, you can end up building very complex systems without writing a lot of code or spending a lot of effort. And they've already been tested. They already work really well. They're already been like put through the, through like 
kind of the ringer of everybody else using these things. So it, it would let it definitely lets people focus like on what they really want to focus on, which is the end result of looking through all their Pittsburgh tweets and not necessarily looking through everything and then figuring out how they can filter down. They could just build it in NiFi and it would work. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's pretty extensible as well. Uh, you can write custom processors, but before you get to a custom processor, some of the things that you, if, if you go through the, the standard ones and you just find that, you know, it, this just isn't meeting my needs. There's a number of processors that allow you to, to execute things from the canvas. For example, there's the execute script processor, and it specifically allows you to execute a script on a flow file um, that you have written on disk. So you could write, for example, a Python process, a Python script, put it on disk, and then tell this execute uh, execute script or execute process processor to, to pick that up off the command line, uh, pick it up off the disk, run that process against your flow file, and then have it output the uh, on the other side. Okay, so that's like the alternative to just writing your own processor. That's one of the right. I mean, it's not really is. an alternative. Like, I guess it's kind of all, the thing I always wonder with that kind of stuff is like, is that convenience? Is like, where's your use case where you want to start thinking about moving to a custom processor versus scripts on disk? Like, is it performance? Is it? It is performance. Yeah. It's, so, it's, so one of the big things is, uh, NiFi is written in Java. And you're going to get more performance out of Java than you are with a, a Python script that you're that you're executing against the uh, that you're picking up off disk every time and running against your flow file. Um, but what it's great for is being able to prototype. So uh, if you okay. need to to quickly um, do something on a piece of data, uh, very it could be a, a, a data science aspect, right? You could want to get a particular piece of uh, a statistic out of a out of a flow file. Let's think if you had. Um, Let's go back to the address book. If you wanted to know how many people's names started with uh, R, mm-hmm. you could easily do a count using a, a, a Python script and then write it against a particular piece of uh, the JSON document and find out how many times R occurred at the uh, at the start of someone's name. Oh, okay. Huh. Now, yeah, it's a pretty so... simplistic example, but you could you can certainly imagine that there's you know more complex examples that you can that you can write because you're opening up the the breadth of um, programming languages to people's fingertips and and not having to have them understand the full Java development ecosystem. Right. And then, and the other thing with that, the only one thing to keep in mind there obviously is since it's running on the the host machine that that NiFi is on, you've got to have that script available and in a known place and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. It goes into your, uh, it'll have to go into your deployment process to push that out. Yeah. To know where it is. Um, but I imagine that it lets you be able to like change things on the fly if you're having issues with your with your processors. You didn't like maybe you've made a flow and you can't figure out some piece of it might not be working how how you expected it. Adding maybe some script kind of processor in the middle and then writing some of that information to disk into a log or whatever might help you out to like start debugging things. Absolutely, and uh, debugging is a big piece of NiFi. And uh, one of the, the best aspects of NiFi is that you're able to view the flow files and view the attributes. Just by right-clicking on the cues on the canvas, selecting the flow file that you're looking at, and click View Attributes or View File Details. In fact, if you're even looking at a picture in NiFi, it'll uh, check the MIME type and show you the picture inside the uh, inside NiFi's view in the web browser. Oh, wow. If you're looking at JSON, it'll let it be formatted. If you're looking at XML, it'll even format it for you. So that's the flow file itself that's sitting there in the processor? Yes. Wow, okay. 
That's um, cool. They have an identified MIME type processor mm-hmm. uh, that you can pass the flow file through. Ah, this is a great example. So let's say I, uh, I read in a file from disk. It was a base64 encoded image. Okay. Now, if I viewed that file in NiFi, what would you expect to see? A bunch of uh, letters Absolutely. capitalized, etc. And yeah. that's what you see. And, and NiFi believes that file to, to be a, a application text, yeah. right? You know, it's a yeah. um, plain text file, you know? Mm-hmm. So what you can do is run it through the, the deep A64 encode processor, standard in NiFi, and it'll turn it into the picture again. Oh, okay. But NiFi still doesn't know what the MIME type is. So you okay. can use the standard identified MIME type processor to take now that binary file and run it through there. And it'll update the MIME type the MIME type attribute that's on the flow file to be a JPEG or a PNG or whatever the particular uh, uh, file is, okay. which then lets you view the file uh, right-clicking on the canvas and seeing it as an actual picture versus right-clicking on the canvas and seeing it as a, a bunch of 64 encoded string. Huh. Cool. That is neat. I, I think, do we want to talk about, I guess, now that we talked a lot about what it can do for you, all the different processes and everything, uh, I think a good topic to get onto would be maybe... You know, you've used NiFi a ton. I've used it a little bit myself, but you're definitely, like, way further. Like, what's, like, some lessons learned for people starting off? Like, if you could start off today and know some of the things you know today that you did, like, when you started before, like, where where would you direct people to go first? What's kind of the things, like, pitfalls you want to avoid, that sort of stuff? Um, Some of the the big lessons learned are the the queuing size and the processor consumption sizing. you have to understand how much data you have, and it's uh, uh, for a lot of the data we use, it's uh, event-driven. Mm-hmm. So you can think of uh, NetFlow as having lots of events in it, or uh, or if you're reading logs off of a disk, there can be uh, you can break that out into a line by line inside there and have lots of events, um, or you can have large files instead. Um, so you need to you need to consider the size of your data, um, the the volume of your data, right? Well, the, uh, the so the size of the actual flow file itself. Absolutely. Right? Is there yeah. any like limits on that in NiFi? There are not limits in NiFi. Okay, for that. so it could be a, a gigabyte. <laughs> it could be a gigabyte. Yeah. Okay. It could be ten One, gigabytes. Yeah. It might um, not be. It might not work all that great. I mean, well, it might work. Like, it depends on the system you're running it on, right? <laughs> absolutely. It depends on how large the system is yeah. uh, and, and what you're doing with it. Yeah. Um, there's lots of great processors to be able to process large files and split okay. them up into smaller files. But the 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 key is that you want to understand the. Um, if you want to process things in batch versus if you want to process things uh, slower. So processors are event-driven or they're timer-driven. So okay. if there's a thousand things sitting in the queue before the processor uh, and you're event-driven and you have the, the the processor tuned to pick things up as fast as it can off the off of the queue, then it's going to read those quickly. However, if you were to tune it to um, pick things up slower off the queue, NiFi would just naturally pick up more things off the queue each time. So yeah. if you had a queue of 10 million uh, events and you weren't doing much in the processor, like say you were just updating an attribute, then you'd be able to, you may want to consider uh, picking more up off the queue at the time, performing yeah. that action, and then moving on versus optimizing for uh, picking it up as fast as you can off the queue. Yeah, because that, that, that means there's it's kind of like any other sort of like HTTP transaction, things like that. Picking something off the queue has its own overhead. It may be kind of small. But if you're doing that 10 million times in a row, that's a huge amount of overhead. Absolutely. But if you're picking up 
10,000 or 100,000 things at one time, that the overhead for that transaction to pick it up off a disk and move it into the processor is very little because you're doing the straight data transfer, a little bit of overhead, and then doing processing on a Absolutely. bunch of stuff at once. And, and Mike, uh, something else that's out there is the uh, specialized tuning. So what everyone should read is the, uh, the Apache user's guide. Um, this is admin guide portion of it. And it specifically goes through and talks about the, the many things that you can do on a... Uh, I've personally had the most experience running NIFI on Linux, but it talks about the, the various things that you can do to tune your system to make NIFI run the best. They talk about the underlying system to put your uh, partitions, uh, how to partition your data, okay. um, how to partition the disk that NIFI is running on. Um, they talk about how to change your VM swappiness level, for example, to set it down to zero, how to increase your Java heap space. There's uh, lots of different uh, high performance tuning that definitely definitely needs to be um, performed before you run a production uh, NIFI. Some other things that uh, you want to look at too is if you're running a custom processor, which we have a lot of experience with, um, a, lot of, a lot of the specific applications to your domain level knowledge um, just can't be performed in a, in a manner that you would want it to be in NIFI because it would either take up too many standard processors or, uh, or you just you would want to encapsulate some, uh, some specific knowledge into, into one by itself. But when we started out with the process, we started writing one processor for what likely uh, five or even ten should have been doing. So what you want to consider when you're building a custom processor is how granular do I want it, right? Do I want one processor doing one job and then moving on to the next processor and doing another job? Or do I want one processor doing five or six jobs inside it and then moving on to the next? And this this delves into something that we didn't talk uh, much or if at all today, but the relationships that come out of a processor. So a processor can always input something and there is at least um, two outputs, uh, failure and success. So if you have a, a successful process through the processor, it'll come out the success. But if you have a failure, it's going to log something in the in the NIFI log, and then it's going to route the flow file to failure. So if you have a, a stack overflow uh, inside your code, it's going to go to failure. And the question is why? So when you're designing your processors, oftentimes what you want to do is design to the smallest component. So the, pro the problems are isolated, and you don't have more than one failure relationship. Uh, instead of having, you know, a failure for communicating to Mongo, and a failure for communicating to a Q, and a uh, failure communicating okay. to uh, to uh, your X, Y, Z, and ABC databases all at the same time in one specific processor. Yeah, because then when it fails, you don't know which one of those things did it without having to look at... You have to look deeper into your logs or whatever to actually figure it out. Absolutely. If, if you have everything in one processor, but if you've broken it up, then when you see that that one you see this place failed, then you know it's that one thing because the only place that it could have failed is that major piece. Right. Okay. And one of the best things, too, about breaking them up is that uh, NIFI's ever-growing ecosystem mm -hmm. is, uh, is, is open source. So if you break up your processors and you realize that one of them would be great for the, for the community at large, you can submit that to NIFI's open source uh, community, have them bring that in as a pull request, and then you can contribute to everyone else. Yeah. No, that's really cool. I... I always think the other the other thing I think about with breaking stuff up is that a lot of times when people think like they have this grand idea of what they want their processor to do and they start doing a bunch of stuff, when you start breaking it down to its individual pieces, you might start to realize, oh, I'm actually re-implementing a processor that's a standard processor. I don't need that code. 
and I can, and you know, things like text processing and re regular expressions, stuff like that, that you might have been throwing into a custom processor or a custom application, become just, oh, I don't actually need to write that code. I just need to put it in an iFi processor that gets put on, and I don't need, I don't need that extra thing. Absolutely, which is good for code reuse and keeping your own code base more manageable and not having as many lines of code that you need to really maintain uh, yourself. And one of the most powerful processors that has come out that was a uh, that wasn't always there was a, a Jolt processor. Um, there's a library called Jolt which takes JSON and transforms it into other JSON. Um, the best example I can give is uh, uh, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily it can but it, it usually doesn't remove data. It just transforms it into a different uh, a different style. So if you were to take an array of objects, it would flatten it out into a uh, into just simply a list of objects instead, moving the key names to be unique key names. Oh, okay. So, like that would actually would it turn it into multiple flow files, or would it would it be keep one it as flow a flow file but multiple JSON documents. It would keep it as a singular JSON document, but it would allow you to to manipulate the JSON document in ways um, that you can change the schema. So if oh, you start okay. with one schema and you want to move to another schema, a great way to do it is with the Jolt processor. So you can encapsulate all of your all of the logic of what you want to do into this Jolt schema, and then just use a standard processor to load in the appropriate Jolt schema that you need, and then push that through to the other side. It's a very powerful processor that um, was added to the NiFi ecosystem, and it's it's made life uh, pretty wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I imagine there's a lot of times where you want to flatten something because maybe you maybe there's an API you're using that put, brings back JSON documents in a certain way that just doesn't work for your application because you maybe don't need it nested the way that they have it nested and things like that. And that's kind of what it does. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Relationships, right? So something that we need to remember with processors, you were just saying to me is that there's relationships that come out. Of them. So like, what are, right? So anytime you put a processor on the canvas, you have to at least handle success and failure. So, a success means that it's successful and a failure means it's not. But those are the, the major two you have to, and you can auto-terminate um, failure mm -hmm. if you want. Um, yeah, so, like, is there other ones? Sure, you can, if you write a, if you have a, a, a route-on content processor, it's going to have uh, three, matched, unmatched, and uh, failure, right? Okay, so it really depends on your processor, right? Yes. Like, the other processor, because there'd be ones with even more, I guess, depending on the processor. You can write a custom processor with as many relationships as you wanted. But yeah, oh, okay. in general, there's uh, uh, different processors have um, different amounts of relationships that come out of them. Yeah. And you have to handle each one because you can't turn the processor on until the uh, relationships exiting the processor are handled. Oh, okay. So you have to have a line going everywhere that you need to have a line going to. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And, and I'm speaking of lines, if you're actually looking at the NiFi graphical user interface, it ends up you have these blocks and then a line to each of the places that it goes out of that processor. Correct. Okay. Interesting. So you do have to, when you are, when you make a processor, you handle success failure as the default thing. That means that you need a line going to where it goes for success. And then in case of failure, it will need to go somewhere else. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Cool. I think I understand that now. I think, you know, something else we didn't really, we kind of got a little bit into it when we were talking about processors. Um, but I think the biggest benefit, one of the, another key benefit here is, like the fact that since there's all these standard processors that talk to many different types of data sources, that merely means that you can make a link. Like NiFi becomes the link between 
all your legacy, like if you're upgrading, like a big benefit for somebody like upgrading a legacy system would be, I got this old Oracle database and I'm moving to the cloud of some kind. I'm going to Postgres, I'm going to Mongo, or I'm going to uh, Cumulo or, or Hadoop. Like NiFi can be that link of saying, oh, well, I have a database admin that already has a SQL query that's going to pull all that data out of Oracle into a CSV file. Well, in another world, I might have had to write some custom thing that's going to write it, write it into Mongo, but with NiFi, you can put that into the NiFi processor. It's going to come through as a flow file, and it already has a connector to connect to Mongo, and it can just make... You don't need to write anything. Essentially, in that scenario, you write two queries on either side, a, a SQL query and then a Mongo insert, uh, kind of set up on the other side, and you're now like moving data from one data store to another in a pretty seamless way. Absolutely. Uh, NiFi is designed to let you be able to move data uh, and, and, and connect itself to different data lakes, if you will, uh, and just move it from place to place without having you to write a single line of code. Just configuration of uh, passwords, um, IP addresses, locations, and off you are running running to the races. Yeah, I'm trying to think like some other example that I've thought is like logs and stuff. I mean, people who use Elasticsearch um, yeah. and... Kafka and all these other, like when you're moving a lot of things around, I mean, they all have ways where they'll read log files or they'll read things that you need to ship around. But NiFi could also be a connector to that thing. And it's a little more general because you don't need to make something specific for those platforms. You Um, can then kind of use whatever you're using now, write it in, you know, use NiFi to pull it off wherever you have and then drop it into the other data store. That's a great example. And and NiFi actually has a, a tail file processor. So if you wanted to specifically tail a file that's uh, running logs out, NiFi would read those logs in for you, put it in there, and you could perform a filter on those logs by just running a uh, extract text processor, um, putting it through a, a, the Jolt processor or any number of other processors to filter down to what hmm. you're looking for. You could perform a route on content and literally do a regular expression inside the content of each of the lines that it was tailing and, uh, and say that you were only looking for things with error, and it would filter down to just error statements. Cool. So, I mean, I think that's kind of wraps up a lot of the things we were talking about. Do you have any like closing statements on NiFi or, or anything? Um, any more lessons learned that we didn't kind of talked about yet? Or I would just say that we've barely scratched the surface with NiFi. Yeah. And uh, and I hope our listeners out there uh, uh, learned a little bit. And if you're interested in NiFi, uh, go and download it. Uh, yeah. Join the community. You know, um, there's a great mailing list out there that uh, that you can watch the developers uh, write back and forth with each other and get the get the latest updates on when the newest versions are coming out. Um, and I would just say that it's a, it's something that you should try, and it's a, it's really easy. You don't have to be an expert to get into it. Yeah, so I'm hoping I we got you excited about NiFi today, and uh, definitely if you have any questions, please email the podcast uh, at scale uh, at it's podcast at clarityvisall.com. And uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the At Scale podcast brought to you by Clarity Business Solutions. You can find our website at www.claritybizsol.com, which is spelled C-L-A-R-I-T-Y-B-I-Z-S-O-L.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Clarity Bizsol. If you have any questions or comments about the podcast, please email us at podcast at claritybizsol.com.